I mean, Mark 1, verses, no, Mark 8, I'm sorry, I wrote, I wrote Mark 8, and I wrote 1, 1 verses 1 through 10. Does everybody have Bibles? Everybody's good? Can we call that out? All right. I'm distracted already. All right, I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to read the passage. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, Have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples, and sent them before them. And they said, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to them, he said to send them also before them. Then ate so they ate and were filled, and he took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. In verse 10, immediately got into the boat, and his disciples came to the region of Galilee. Father, again, thank you for this passage, Father. Thank you for this opportunity, this privilege. And your graciousness be seen in this message, Lord. I'd like everybody to, um, before we get into this patch, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And I'd like to read a passage before we get started into uh, uh, this passage. And I'm going to read a passage from Revelation. And I ask as I'm reading this, I want everybody to ask that you close your eyes. And I ask that as I read it, envision yourself being present at that time and that moment. I want you to, to have the heart of worship in this moment. Because I know a lot of us are going through things. Whether we admit it or not, we're all going through something. Right or wrong. And praise God for the opportunities that God brings upon those because we have growth in that. But I want to make sure that we understand that we can't get distracted with what we're going through as well. And I don't want anything to take away from what God has to say this morning. So I want you to just focus, close your eyes, and read yourself in this scripture, in this passage as I read it. And then we'll sit down and we'll go into the passage. So please stay standing and close your eyes. And I'll just so you know, um, reading from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. It was like millions. Saying with a loud voice, 
worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor to the glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. 14. Then the four living creatures sat, said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him. And it is forever and ever. Have a seat. I want the heart of worship here today because this message may be sensitive to some, maybe not. But I want you to understand, and, and I know that God wants you to understand, it's about Him. This time is about him and only him, and him alone. Okay, this is about the one who saved us. So sometimes there's going to be times in the passages that we don't want to hear. This is going to be being said that God tells us in word that we don't want to know. Or we turn a blind eye to it. I know what it's like to turn a blind eye, but it's a little case for that. What I'm saying is here today, have your heart filled with worship and receive what God has to say. So in those days, so we're very great on verse 8. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me for three days and have nothing to eat. It continues for three days following Jesus. In verse 3, And if I send them away hungry for their, house, for their own houses, to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from far. We see God's compassion. Pretty much we understand that those were unbelievers. They were in a region where they were Gentile region, mostly. It was ran by the Greeks. The Greek governments. There was ten cities within the region. And we understand this passage to be Gentiles. Us. Right? We know that the 5,000, the feeding 5,000, as PJ taught um, back uh, a few weeks back, was focused on the Jews. So we see here that Jesus' completion of coming to the Gentiles. And we see Jesus focus on the Jews, and now he focus on the Gentiles. We see that this passage is only in Matthews and in Mark. Matthew shows that Jesus, the theme, as we understand it and what is taught, is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he's speaking to the Jews. But Mark is taught as Jesus being the servant. Jesus came to serve. But he also came to save in that service. And he saved the Gentiles. So we see a completion of the Jews and the Gentiles. So Jesus, what's, what's very important to understand is that when God is teaching us through his word, there's so much more than just the passage itself. And that's why it's so important to read the whole counsel of God, and not just parts of it. Because when we read parts of it, we only get bits and pieces. And then it comes to apply to our own agendas. Well, preparing a message, 
That's what's important. But it's no different for you as you're reading God's word. You must go through the whole counsel of God and not just pick and choose anything. Because it all will answer itself. God will show you the whole picture from beginning to end and why he does what he does from beginning to end. And he shows that this is compassion for his people in his time. He's compassion. Who had received compassion from God? I know most of us have. I want to say all of us have, right? God was very compassionate with me in my life. He came to save me for myself. His compassion, what, what this is understood, it was great about the Blue Letter Bibles. They give you the pronunciation, all right? Because I was like, how do I pronounce this word? But I clicked the pronunciation button, Blue Letter Bible. If you don't know, it's a great app, uh, Blue Crabby Chapel. Um, and if you go to Blue Letter Bible, they have it on an app. They have it on the, uh, in the internet as well. And it gives you the definitions, it gives you the Greek, Hebrew, and so forth. I mean, it's a great tool. But the word is called compassion is flaccidizoma. I still might not know. But that's what it is. All right. And the definition, strongest definition is that to have the bowels yearn, to feel a deep sympathy. Jesus' bowels yearning for these people. These are unsaved Gentiles, mostly. That's you and I. And Christ had this deep passion, this deep bow in their bow, and his inside crying out to help these people, for these hurting people. This is the same God who saved the Gentiles, the same God who has the same compassion for us, and brought us to this place where we're here today. We're here today for his purpose, because we're not here. And I always say this because it's something I, I feel I always have to repeat because I think this gets lost. I'm sorry with this mic. I really don't like mics. <laughs> um, so I hold my mouth. And there's a, you know, I didn't go to acting school, so I don't know how to do this. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> I say that out of love. That's a joke. I love you, brother. <laughs> so here, here, that's what's going on here. And, and to understand this deep bowel movement, I mean, this deep bowel, this love from deep inside of Jesus Christ's bowel movement. Right? <laughs> oh, forgive me. That's me, but that's my payback, right? Amen. So, Jesus has this deep, deep, deep yearning to save us. And he has. And he shows that in scripture how he does for these people. They found him for three days. They didn't even know him. They just followed him because he's doing these miracles and he's doing these things along the way. And they're following him. And you, you know, going back to what I said is that we understand is that we're not here by accident. And I emphasize this over and over because you're not. God has a purpose here while you're in Calvary. You're in Calvary on a Sunday morning instead of sleeping in. You're in Calvary Sunday morning instead of. Well, I'm not beach. It's not beach weather. But you're somewhere else at a picnic or whatever it is that you do. People do. You're here because you come, because God has drawn you here, desire to be here at this moment in time. And God has you fellowshipping in Calvary Chapel for a reason. Whether you think it or not, God has you fellowshipping here for a reason. God has a purpose for Calvary as a whole, because Calvary is a family of believers. Us. When I say Calvary, I mean Calvary Chapel, I Beach. I mean us. We're a family of believers. Some. Maybe some of not believers. I don't know. 
But God has you here to, so that you are drawn to eventually and receive the free gift of the gospel. But he has us here for that pur for a purpose. And then these people, and he draws these people, he's drawing them for three days. He's not forcing them. Scripture's clearly showing that he's not forcing them to come. Right? As we talked the last time I spoke, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility to respond, right? So these people are following Christ for three days. The, the 5,000 was what, one day? They followed for three days. So these skeptics that want to say that these are the same passages and they want to try to say, oh, the only reason why 4,000, you know, this passage is in the Bible is because we're trying to, you know, validate God's word. Skeptics are always going to find a, a fault because you're looking to find it. These are two different passages, two different events. And God purposely put it in Scripture so we can see what's going on. God can show us a picture of him saving the Jews in the 5,000 of feedings and then saving the Gentiles in the 4,000. Okay? God shows that these people walk with him for one day, the Gentiles walk for three days following him. Because it showed us as we, God has drawn us. Some of us took many years, it took me 30 years, maybe more or less, to get to a certain place. I mean, to finally realize I need a savior. Some was more, some was less. But here's what's happening. He's calling these people. And as he's calling them, because they followed, he showed them compassion. <laughs> he showed them compassion. Let's move on to the third verse. In verse 4 reads, Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude, commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. So he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and then gave them to his disciples as he breaks them. He's giving them out to set them before them. He has disciples doing that. Praise God. And then they set them before the multitude. And then verse 7 reads, they also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to them, set them also before them. This is where the meat of the tales of his message is. Okay? This is where it's going to get a little hard. But understand what's going on here. Okay? The disciples are questioning God. How are we going to feed these people? They've just been fed. 5,000, Jesus just fed 5,000 people from nothing. And here the disciples are going again and asking God, how are you going to feed these people? Seems silly, seems like, how, how can it even occur? I mean, what's going on? How can they have such little faith? And they're walking with Christ. Disciples have walked with Jesus, watched the miracles, see what they've done last, just like you and me. You can't say that you haven't had a miracle in your life. You hear it right now. That's a miracle in itself. With all the blind, with, with all the people that, that drive up there today. 
you know, with their eyes closed. So it's a miracle in itself. But we're here, and we see, as we look in the scripture, that the disciples are questioning God. I know the miracles in my life, there have been so many that I can't even count. You have so many miracles in your life that have occurred that you've allowed yourself to be distracted by our circumstances, in which I do myself. That we're doing the same things the disciples are doing. We've done that. We're sitting here too. The disciples are saying, how can you feed these people? But ask yourself, how can you doubt God in your circumstance? How do we doubt God in our circumstances? Because we see the circumstances as an impossible situation. We focus on the circumstances and then we take our eyes off of God. So God is, so Jesus, God is showing us here that we are doing the same thing. And that's why God has the scripture here for a purpose, for us to see ourselves in this scripture. Don't hold it to the disciples that how could they, how could they? Ask yourself, how could I? How could I? You know, Carrie's calling here is very specific, very, I want to say clear. Most of us can see that. We have a building going up in you know, a building that God's blessed with the opportunity to have. In a neighborhood that God wants us in. Because when God blessed us with that building, it was, you know, the moon, the preacher said, the moon and the stars had to align. You know? It's like me being here today, have to align. So God blesses us with this opportunity. And put us in a neighborhood where it's not so good. It's not so great. You know, I'm driving through that neighborhood and I'm getting pointed out, you know, on the same block. And I'm not telling you to scare you, I'm just telling you this is what it is there. You know, there's there's a couple of you know drug spots right on the block. Right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple of drug spots on the block there. I mean, there's houses that sell drugs out of That's what I mean. Why don't block a few houses down maybe from the church? Do you understand the need there in that neighborhood? The necessity of us to be there? Now, does it take a building to be there? No. Can we go out and be the hands feet without the building? Yes. But there's a purpose why God chose that area for us to have a building there in the middle of it all. So that we can have the doors open and then go out and Talk to these people. Present the gospel. Not save anybody because it's the Holy Spirit that's saving, but present the gospel to these people. Show them the love of Christ so that their lives can be transformed as ours lives were because we are grateful to God, right? His graciousness is what transformed us. His graciousness transformed us. Nothing else. So that neighborhood is needed tremendously. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be there, but... But to use that building in that area so that we can have that doors open seven days a week. PJ, your work is cut out for you. But seven <laughs> days a week, 
Because there's certain people that I know for a fact because I used to hustle and sell drugs and all of that, and I know. All right? I know the need there. And many of us can apply because many of us used the drugs and went to those houses and purchased. Not maybe that one, but I need to say in general. <laughs> Just to be, you know, straight up and clear. <laughs> so what I'm saying is there's a need there. Give me a second here. Let me... It's not a cookie moment like the two. <laughs> so we have this future building here. Right? A lot of work to be done. God's blessed us tremendously. God's got a lot done with it. But there's still some left. There's still some left to be done. For us to get in here, God has opened the door, opened the floodgates, and He allowed us opportunity to lower the cost of what we need to get it done. But you see, what here, what what, what I see here in the scripture is that Jesus didn't tell the disciples, "Let's go get somebody else to help." Not to say it's wrong, but Jesus didn't do it at that time. He said, you guys, what do you have? What do you have to give? What do you have to serve these people with? And they gave what they had, seven loaves, and God multiplied it. God multiplied what they gave. And as I mean this, I'm like, you know, God, you know, I owe my finances is, you know, it's ridiculous, right? So God provides. God makes a way for it. And bless me, beautiful wife, listen. We'll do this together. But God wants us to do this together. And He's not. And I'm not saying it's about the money. What I'm saying is, it's about the heart behind it. You know, I'm going to Mark. Uh, let's go to Mark real quick. This was, I just added this this morning because it was like as I'm praying to God this morning, I'm just like, God, you know, how did, how's this best come off that I'm not asking money? Because I'm not, you know, I've been to church where they said, God told me to write a check out for $67.67 and telling you to do it. And everyone's writing a check, and I'm like, where am I? What is that? God doesn't do that. I don't see anywhere where he's telling people to write a check out. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's not any other gospel. The Johnson gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to save and change our lives. And give the gospel so that God can do what it does best and change us. What I am saying is, just open your hearts up. And, it's, and as I'm reading scripture, because it's opening mine up, believe me when I tell you. As I'm reading scripture, and I'm going to Mark 12, which is probably, you know, eventually when you get to it, PJ is going to go uh, deeper in this passage. But for this um, purpose, I'm going to read it real quick so we have a clear, you know, it's not me, it's God showing us something, teaching us something. You know, and you know, I'm not here to offend, but you know what? God does a good job of offending. And he offends for a purpose, to draw him closer to you, not to push you away. He offends so that you can grow in him and be the man or woman that God's called you to be. That you are the child of God that God created you to be with a purpose in life. And that purpose is his purpose. His purpose for us. 
Now, I know when I do Matthew 28, it says, go out and, sh and, 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 and share the gospel. Matthew 28, go out and make disciples. Our purpose, that's our purpose. So I'll be 12, 42, 44. Then one poor widow, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead if you want to get to it. I apologize. Mark 12, 42 to 44. And it's probably good that you do go to it, because I want you to see for yourself. It's not me. It's all, it's all him. I'm not, I'm not really adding to it. I'm just kind of repeating what Jesus is saying. So, 42, chapter 12. Then one poor widow came and tore in two mites, which made a quadrant equal to a penny in today's time. A penny. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, As surely I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. And 44, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Who does not have a penny to give here in this room? We can walk through our parking lot and find a penny in the grass or in the parking lot that someone just threw out a drop. Because I don't even pick a penny sometimes. Shame on me for that. You know, PJ created a GoFundMe. And, and it's been, what, 15 days now. And I have to say, that I just look at it, you know, and, I, and I'm convicted when I look at it. I don't see a lot of buy-in into it. I don't, I don't see a lot of buy-in into it from us. If we believe in a mission, if we believe in the calling that God has for Calvary Chapel Delray Beach, the work that we have to do in Delray, and, 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 and what's that, Swinton? Then what's going on? Because I don't see it in the, I don't see it on that. Has anyone even gone to the GoFundMe account? Has anyone even looked at it? I don't talk about tithing, that's a whole different passage. I know Calvary doesn't, doesn't talk about that, and I get that. But what I'm saying is, this woman gave a penny because her heart was behind it. And that heart showed that she was in it. Her heart, her, she was brought into it. Her heart was in it. I should see 60 more pennies in there. 70 pennies. Okay. We don't. We are an independent Calvary Chapel Delray Beach. I know PJ does not say now and emphasizes. We are an independent Calvary Chapel Delray Beach. We have nothing. Fort Lauderdale doesn't help us with anything. And they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. That's the way Chuck Smith was led, and that's how that movement went, that charismatic movement went. So I don't know Jesus movement. But we see here in this passage. And Mark, that God called the disciples to give what they had. But not only just to give, but to show their heart, right? To teach them something. To teach them something. To teach them how to serve and how to give. Not only that, to teach them their faith and, and to wake them up. And say, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I can't imagine. I, I just did this. Right now, I got to tell you guys again. And it's easy to assume that everything's, you know, you know, 
So we, you know, it's easy to assume that we're surviving and everything's going well. So because God has blessed us tremendously beyond that we even, PJ ever imagined before, beyond the church's mad. You know, we've been here, PJ has been here for a certain period of time. I'm humbling down. I'm sorry because I'm like, I'm really, you know, excited about this. And God has done that. But man, God is calling you, us, to do something together. To get into this mission together, to buy into this mission together from your hearts. There is a need in that area. We need to get in there. We need to do something there. And I'm saying it depending on the bill. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about get your what I'm saying is let's get our hearts on one accord. And if that heart drives you to put a penny, you put a penny in that GoFundMe account. If that heart drives you to put a dollar a day or whatever, a dollar, then let your heart be driven to do that. But do something. Just don't walk away on Sundays and leave and then go on about your business and come back every Sunday. That's not what church is about. That's not what Christ created the body. That was, It's not about that. Christ transformed us, changed us, gave us the opportunity to receive eternal life. But God has called us to do so much more than what the gifts that we have. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That's the most precious gift that, I mean, there's no words can explain that gift. The Holy Spirit. And the Bible says not to quench the Spirit. And we do it when we don't, when we don't live obediently. When we don't, when we don't, and not live obediently, meaning is, is, is follow through on a call that God has for your life individually in my life. But we gotta do this together. He didn't just tell one disciple to give me, but he told them all. He told them all to give what they had. And they had seven loaves. What was it, three fish? Four? Few. But then what did God do with that? He multiplied it. We do it together. And God will multiply what we have. God has done that already. Don't get me wrong. But we all know here, including myself, that we can be doing just a little more. And in that little more, from our hearts, because it's not about the works, because the promise of the works are like filthy rags. It's not about the works. It's about your heart buying into this mission of Calvary Chapel Delray Beach and doing it in Delray so that God can grow. And he made one. He fed 4,000, which we know today that it was much more because that, you know, women and children, it was, you know, 10, 12,000, however they want to multiply it. But it was so much more. It was so much more that at the end of this passage, they walked away with seven baskets full. God didn't want to only show that, listen, I'm going to multiply. I'm going to multiply so much that you're going to have seven baskets left over. I'm going to show you what I can do if your hearts are right. I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to multiply what you have, but I'm going to give you so much more. They gave their pennies. Okay? Only pennies would they give. And God gave so much more. Those seven baskets, you see, in the 5,000 feet in the baskets were known to be small wicker baskets. Iron baskets. God made sure in this second passage, in this second passage, of the feeding of 4,000, that this basket were the big ones that carried, that was able to carry uh, Paul in Acts 9.25 when Paul was let down in the basket out of the window. That's the same basket that this term is being referred to in the Greek. 
So they weren't just little hand baskets. They were big baskets, hamper baskets, filled. So God wanted to make a point, make sure that we understood that He didn't just give us uh, seven baskets full, but He put that He made sure that these baskets were big and they were overflowing. God wants to give us abundantly for His purpose, for His call. He wants to do that, but He has to know that our hearts are in the right place and that our desires are in the right place, and that we do what we're supposed to do. Do what we're supposed to do with it. And that means Calvary, that's winter, that building there. And get in that neighborhood and feed those people with the word of God. Give them the food that they need to live eternally. Changing and transforming the lives there that the gospel does best. But remember, we are the hands and feet. We are the hands and feet, just like the hands and feet approach each and every one of us here today, sometime in our lifetime, we're the hands and feet is there as well. So I ask you guys, today don't leave here thinking and go about your business. Don't get offended with what Anthony said. I want you to go to Scripture and see what God says. Go back to these passages and see what God says on them. And let God offend you. Because I know when he offends me. <laughs> I'll tell you, I need to get offended. Because that was the only way. But I know God is not offending me to be offensive. Because he wants to hurt me. He offends me because he wants to love me. Because he is compassionate for me. He has that deep bowel movement, that deep bowel love for me. And that's why he offends me. It's because he loves me so much. He sent his son to die for our sins. I'm going to read some more scriptures, sports scriptures. John 12, 26. I know I have it up here, but uh, let me, I can read it to you because I printed it out to make it easy. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. This is God, so it's not me. It's all here. And you don't know it, shame on you, because it's here. It's here. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 12, 24, Old Testament. But I beg of you, fear God and worship him honestly and heartily. You've seen how greatly he has worked among you. Other versions say, remember what he has done for you. So when I speak about this bill, remember how God has saved you. Remember how God has used you. Remember. And let's extend that to those who need us. That God is going to use us to impact those lives there. Remember, as you're putting that penny in GoFundMe, remember why we do what we do and why you're doing it. Because if you're going to do it out of the heart just to put money in it, don't do it. Keep it. I don't give it a million dollars. Keep it. <laughs> Keep it. Because it's not about the money. 
God will flow abundantly and provide for us as long as our hearts are in there for Chapel, all of us together, and watch what God does. But we are not all born into this vision. God placed Pastor John in, this, in Delray, and God has called some of us to serve here and everything. But it can't be just some of us. It has to be all of us. Jesus didn't call just a, you know just a few of them to get fish. He said he's speaking to all of them. All the disciples there. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other, other verses have spiritual service. That reasonable word is called priest, it's understood to be a priestly service. You know, the priests, the high priests in those days, how they served God, well, they were the only ones going to the temple and everything was, you know, holy. And he wants you to have that same type of attitude. That spiritual service being led by the Spirit of God. He wants your hearts to serve by His Spirit. Because I guarantee you, how could it not? His word says it doesn't revert, return to him void. How could the Holy Spirit not drive you to be compelled to serve in a mission where it's needed, where people are hungry, people are drugged out, and people do all these things there? How could it not? God provided a building there for us. How can you tell me no? The way the building was was acquired, you can't tell me no. How how we would pay the monthly rent here? It's ridiculous in itself. A lot of you don't really know, but God has us here. And everything God is orchestrating purposely for his purpose. And he's using every one of us here for that purpose. Where we can quench the spirit and not listen to that call because then our own agenda is kicking. And that's why I say, and I want to start this, this, um, um, this, this, this teaching with a heart of worship. So we can try to, to, to eliminate it and, and filter out these other thoughts. Because right now, I'm thinking where you're going to go eat after church, or, or thinking about you know what's going on in your life and what you got to do, and all this stuff and all these occurrences. Filter it out. Focus on the Word of God. Let the Spirit move through you and work through you, and let Him convict you, so that you can fulfill the purpose He's been called for. How could you want to waste a supernatural? experience that God has planned for you. How would you want to waste that? Romans 12, well, I'm going to read the message version. Uh, this version here, I mean, for this particular passage. I know my seventh teacher is like, no, not the message version. Yes, I'm using it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Everything you do, embrace it, because that's the best thing. You bring joy to our God who saved us. Let God use you to bring joy to these neighborhoods where it's needed. So those lives can experience what we've experienced. I'm going to 
continue on and on, wrapping the verse 8 through 10. So they ate and were filled. They took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. And immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region down in the river. So here, just a number of things. I mean, listen. In, in the feeding of 5,000, there was 12. Meaning, you know, we understand it to be 12 tribes. I mean, you told me I wasn't in here. I'm sure you probably did. I don't want to repeat anything. But here we see seven. Seven. Because God is showing us a completion. The completion of his work with the Gentiles. He did it with the 5,000, with the Jews. And now he's showing us the seven, the completion of the Gentiles. God uses everything specifically. God doesn't just throw things together, wing it. He puts everything methodically to where we can understand just an itsy, itsy piece of it. Just understand the number seven itself is like, ooh, indeed. I can imagine, you know, there's so much more deeper that God has even given, but God says, you know what, you don't know what you need to learn today. So God shows the completion, so the completion of the seven the Gentiles. God's work is completed. The gospel's for everyone. It's not just for us here. The gospel for everybody in Swinton on that block. Every drug dealer, every every someone, every person that is doing drugs, everyone who's selling drugs, the deal everybody else. The gospel's for them. The gospel's for everybody. We don't pick and choose who we think the gospel is for. I easily do that. But shame on me for that. Because I can tell you, billion people would say, say that I should receive the gospel. And I'm sure many of us can hear good, you know, agree with that for yourselves. But the gospel's for them. And yes, we could be doing so much more from here. But let's get in that building. Let's be a staple in that community. And let's start really, really right word. I'm trying not to use ghetto language sometimes. You know my old verbiage it comes out sometimes, but let's really get dig deep together and do this together. Um As I close, okay, close, close, there's so much more I want to say, but I know God is, because, uh, you know, the key is, I, I just want to make sure it's spirit-led. I want to make sure it's spirit-led because, you know, we can look at a passage, passage on some BJ, we can see a thousand points, a million points probably, and that's still tiny, teeny to what God is trying to, to, to have us uh, understand it. But, you know, the points that he wants us to, to, to bring out, um, today, you know, I want to make sure that it's, it's, it's all about him and, and, and make sure that this this message uh, impacts whoever it needs to impact. But being at the Calvary Chapel, the Calvary Chapel um, past conference a month ago, you know, they, were, they spoke about the inheritance and the Ephesians. And as I'm preparing this message, I just, I put some scriptures together because I remember that and I was like, and I'm reading something else about inheritance. Inheritance. I'm like, God, what is about this inheritance? Inheritance. Ah, come on. 
And I just, God, you know, I just hear God say, listen, I need them to remind them. I want you to remind them of how I see them and why I'm so gracious to them and why that graciousness should be an outpouring of us to the ones who need to get that pouring. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance in predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We obtained an inheritance. Isaiah 1925 says, Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my heritage. What do you mean, God, for your inheritance? What does that mean that we're... I thought that I was the one being blessed. But God sees this as his inheritance. God sees this so precious. So precious. That he's calling us his inheritance. Do you get that? Do you comprehend that? When I read Revelations before we started, did you get that? That millions and millions of angels are worshiping him and bowing down to him? Did you get that? And here now he's saying that we're his inheritance? Like he's the one that's blessed? How could that be? Because it's love for us, it's compassion for us. He loves us so much, he sees us as his inheritance. How? How can we wrap your mind around that? How can we wrap your mind around that? How can you wrap your mind around that? Psalm 2 8 says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations of your inheritance and the end of the earth. For your position. Psalm we're talking about Jesus. God is telling Jesus, you're going to receive this inheritance. Here we are, we're inheritance to Jesus. I don't think all we do is cause him headache. I mean, he had to go to the cross for us. And you call us his inheritance? His son had to die for us. But you call us his inheritance? Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God. In your minds, the mighty one will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with sin. For inheritance is he's rejoicing over us. Don't let this love waste. Don't let this compassion waste. God's given us this picture. I'm going to go, all right, well, I'm about to close. I'm going to repeat you, Mom. Philippians 129. <laughs> Philippians 129. I just want everyone to go there and, uh, and, and I want to make sure that I just want you to see it for yourselves. Philippians 129. You know, while you're going there, you know, it reminds me, you know, as I read Job, right? We all read Job. We know Job. Job is one of the famous books in the Old Testament, right? We can relate to Job. And as you read the end, and I thought, you know, with everything I went through in life, and a lot of 99.9% of my choices, but, you know, things that you know, I thought were God stripped away, 
And at the end, God restored me, you know, beautiful wife, you know, now I just, you know, close on a home with the money, and it's like, wow, how did that happen? But anyway, it just happened, and God made things happen the way it's supposed to be, and, and God is listening. I'm thinking, wow, I guess it's because I'm thinking, you know, God is rewarding my obedience. God reward my obedience. But no, it's not that he's rewarding my obedience. You know, if you watch the Bible Project, and I hope if you haven't, you should. Don't say everything is ready, you know, everything is, is 100%, but I'm saying it's a great series. And what that helped me understand is that, and they explained it in that one, which I was like, wow, moment. But it's not that because I was it's because God was so gracious, he blessed Job. It's not because what Job did, that Job stayed faithful and true for the whole time and committed. Yeah, he has a lot of downs, but he stayed committed to God and, and, and God blessed him, you know, through his meetings. It wasn't that. Caution today, it wasn't for that. It's because of God's graciousness that God restored Job. It was his graciousness. God is because God didn't have to do that with Job. Who's Job that God has to do anything for? Who are we that God has to do anything for? But God is gracious to us. 129, and I'm going to read the uh, another version, but I'm going to read this one. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to be, believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. I'm going to, this translation I like was Goodman's translation. For you have been given the privilege of serving Christ, not only by believing in him, but also by suffering for him. You've been given the privilege of serving Christ. How God is gracious because he gave us the privilege. It's a privilege to serve him. It's a privilege to put a penny on a GoFundMe. It's a privilege to get down and, have, and get to work down in Swindon. It's a privilege. Until we understand that privilege, we understand uh, the love of Christ, we're going to miss. We're going to miss out. And we're going to keep missing, and we're going to be standing by that bus stop watching the buses drive by. Because then I can, the bus drivers ain't going to see us. Matthias can come up and play a little quick song for us. You just say 1215, right, BJ? <laughs> and, um... I just want us to, you know, to dig deep in our hearts. And turn to God. And ask God to reveal whatever He wants that's necessary. But for Him to help you block out the distractions. Any excuses? Beg of him to block out the distractions and, 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 and excuses. Ask him to fill your heart with this overabounding love of the call that God has called you for and to through his graciousness. Because your life is not about you. I don't know how many times I gotta say it, but I'm gonna keep saying that till we get it. You may not get it from me saying that, but you, I guarantee you keep reading his word. 
you're going to get it. Because everything is in here. Imagine what I say to Scripture. And if you think Scripture says differently, then come after and show me. And I'll repent. I promise you that. I have no problem repenting to God's Word. To His truth. Because I know this is what saved me. And I don't know, I, I can't imagine a life without Him. I can't imagine a life without this guidance, this, guidance, this Word of God. This keeps me out of trouble. And it's the Holy Spirit that keeps me in a place where I need to be. And it's His love that keeps me moving forward. Not perfectly, but the best of my ability obediently. I can't tell you how much of the goodness to be up here today. So I just ask us to bow our heads. Please. And envision us in Swinton Avenue, in that building. Envision us with the doors open. Envision us with the people from the neighborhood coming in. But not for just for the bread and the free pastries, but coming in to hear the word of God because they see the love of Christ in us in that neighborhood. And that they have a place to come to, to come for counseling, to come for, for, for prayer, to come for uh, an opportunity to, to, to get loved. Because I guarantee a lot of them haven't felt loved, and that's why they're so lost. I can account for that. See that vision. Buy into the call that God has called you here in Calvary. It's not an accident. We have been called. Let's stop wasting time. Do what we can. And watch how God will abundantly overflow what we give. And as long as it's from the heart, then it doesn't matter what it is. But it's got to be from the heart that adores Christ. It's got to be from the heart that's following the will of God. Because if it's not, then we can keep it. And you can take it somewhere else. Because if it's it has to be about Jesus and Jesus alone. And I know Pastor John will never preach anything other than that. Christ and Christ alone. 